In this episode, we are discussing hypnosis. We talk about what it really is and how it's kind of misrepresented in the media. We talk about the process, give some firsthand accounts, and also discuss the sort of strange trend of hypnosis for comedy. Hi, I'm Heather Wood, and I'm an intuition and ego expert. And I'm Jamie Hayhurst, and I'm an energy healer. We're both passionate about smashing the patriarchy, integrity in the spiritual world, and social justice. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, what do you think about talking about hypnosis today? Yes, love it. Okay. I think that hypnosis is really misunderstood, and I I blame something that I blame all the time for this kind of stuff. The way it's portrayed in the media, I think, is like really far off as to what it actually is. Agreed. Now, I know that if if you're like, where did Jamie and Heather stand on hypnosis? Like at the at the beginning of this episode, I'm gonna venture a guess. Mm-hmm. A pretty well educated guess, but I'm gonna say that I dig it, and you have some feelings about it. Uh, yes, I think you're right about that. <laughs> okay, I'd like to see if maybe I could change your feelings a little bit about it when we get to the end of the episode. Okay, can you start off by before I give like the official definition? Can you start off by saying what you think hypnosis is? Well. I mean, my answer has changed over the last couple of years. I think society wanted all of us to believe. And I think I thought growing up that hypnosis was some like trick that someone did on stage and made a bunch of people do embarrassing things. And it seemed really shady to me when I was growing up. But now I think that if I had to define it, I would say hypnosis is being guided to change like the state of your brain of like the way you're thinking what your brain is doing and like working with your brain to affect like thought patterns or something like that. Awesome. I think that's a very good definition. I'll give my definition in a minute too, but I would also wonder if you would share with the class (laughs) how you feel like if right now you would be like, you know what I want to do a hypnosis session. No, (laughs) (laughs) But not because I don't like it or be because I think it's a bad idea. But if you've listened to other episodes of this <laughs> podcast, you'll know that I have a problem with state and meditating and letting my ego let go of certain things. So for me, I feel like hypnosis could be incredibly helpful to me, but I, I don't think it would be easy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really awesome point because I think a lot of people feel that way, not just about hypnosis, but about things like meditation and all that sort of thing where they're like, I don't know if I can actually do it. So they kind of exclude themselves from it. Right. You know, with that like expectation that you're supposed to like meditate like a monk on your first try kind of thing. So I think that's important to say and not, I also don't think that hypnosis is for every person. So Let's go through this and see if your opinion changes, stays the same, shifts at all. I would I would like to I would like to see what happens. I think I should also like to say that I think a lot of the problem for me would be that <laughs> and this is being like a, a woman in a, like in America in a patriarchal society that 
I think I would be nervous that I wouldn't be able to do it and that I would be letting down the hypnotherapist. Oh, that's also such an empath thing. You know what I mean? Like I I would feel so much pressure going into it. Like what if I don't do it? What if they can't get me into this state? And then it's, it's already gone out the window before I even started. Uh, Another fantastic point, right? Because don't we do that as empaths? Yes. And then especially as women in a patriarchal society that are taught you're supposed to be, you know, pleasing to everyone else. Right. Instead of going in being like, okay, I'm like paying for this experience and like put myself in a position to get the most out of it. You're like, am I going to perform well enough for the other person? Exactly. And so then it's like, well, why bother? Right. Right. It kind of defeats the purpose of doing yeah. something for yourself. Yeah. Okay. All fantastic points. Let's talk about what hypnosis is. Okay. I think the misconception is that people think hypnosis is this state where you fully lose control, almost like you're asleep and you're just very passively experiencing a dream where you're not lucid at all. I think that's sort of what it's been painted in the media. Right. Absolutely. I read through a lot of different definitions and I, I found one that I really, really liked. So I want to read this one to you and get your response. Okay. All right. So it is a trance like mental state in which people experience increased attention, concentration, and suggestibility. Some definitions call it a sleep like state, but it is actually more of a focused heightened state. People appear sleepy and zoned out, but are actually hyper aware. Oh, okay. That's not how I would have described it. Right. And I think that a lot of people think that. And I, I'm going to share my experience briefly with hypnosis in a little bit. But I want to say that I was surprised the first time I did it. The fact that I was very aware of what was going on. I wasn't like in a state that someone could tell me to quack like a duck and I would have just done it. Like you see, in, I feel like every school assembly in the 90s did. Exactly. Right? Yes. I also think you see it on TV and people are like hypnotized and there's that like weird spirally circle that you're just like focused on and being told to do whatever. And that's what happens. Right. And I think that's just taking that one piece of where there's like the suggestibility is heightened. you know what I mean? So you could be influenced. It's sort of like hyper focuses on that, but it's not really what hypnosis is. So I think that it, I think people would feel a lot less scared of it if they knew that you're usually pretty aware the whole time you're under hypnosis. Yeah, I think that would be very helpful. And I also think that that word suggestibility might turn some people off from it because it feels like a very vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. You know, So if you're on stage and you're suggestible, right. then you're going to be quacking like a duck and feeling embarrassed and not knowing what's happening. But if you're with like a real legit hypnotherapist, that suggestibility means something totally different. Exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to give an opinion here. This Mm -hmm. is purely my opinion. It is not based on the research I did. We are going to talk a a little bit about sometimes hypnosis going wrong in this arena, but I, I do just want to say, I don't like hypnosis done for the sake of entertainment on a stage where you're just getting people to do stuff. I don't like that at all. And I'm, I tried actually to figure out where it comes from and I don't really get it. And it's, I think it's a bad thing. It makes me uncomfortable. So when I'm talking about hypnosis, 
I'm talking about going in with a certified practitioner who's trying to help you heal. Yeah, to me, and this, again, I have the same thing, like, I have no basis for this thought at all. (laughs) But to me, it feels like that hypnosis as entertainment feels like one of those tricks of the patriarchy where they take something and they make it fun and flashy and you think you're being entertained, but really they're undercutting the power and the, the use, the effectiveness of something that can be very helpful to humans. Yeah. You know what? It it gives me real, um, getting your future told to you in a crystal ball vibes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. kind of, I'm not sure that the term appropriating is, is the right word here, but you're sort of taking something culturally from people and then twisting it into being something different to make it look less amazing, to be right. honest. And to tarnish it so that it, it loses respect and it loses credibility. That's the thing. It feels like all of these things, you know, and I don't think that there's like one head guy who's like, all right, let's go out and ruin the credibility of hypnosis. And <laughs> right. National campaign to, you know, make people act like ducks and then they'll all, you know, they'll all judge it and not trust it. I don't think that it's that super specific, but I think that wherever there's power, wherever there's people connected to themselves, there's always an undercutting of that somewhere. Absolutely. 100% agree. And I think this is a place where people don't realize that's happened. Right. Exactly. All right. There's three main types of hypnosis. There are more, but most of them kind of fall into these three categories. And so that is guided hypnosis, hypnotherapy, and self-hypnosis. Okay. So guided hypnosis would be if you, very similar to a guided meditation, if you listen to um, a hypnotist on, let's just say on YouTube, you found one and you listened as you fell asleep or something, I remember back in the 90s, it was kind of trendy to fall asleep to a a cassette tape where like a hypnotist would be telling you like, you're a strong, confident woman or something. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Those would all be examples of guided hypnosis. Right. Self-hypnosis is when you just, you know how to use hypnosis yourself and you just kind of like put yourself into that sort of hyper-focused state. Mm -hmm. Doable, I'd say probably the least common. Right. Agreed. And then hypnotherapy is when you go to a hypnotist who helps you heal in some way using hypnosis. Right. Okay. The term hypnosis <clears throat> was coined in the 1880s in France, first called mesmerism. Remember Frank Mesmer when we talked about him? It all comes from this. Yep. He did the animal magnetism and all that stuff. And so then it was mesmeritists. And so then it sort of just kept forming and then it went into hypnotism and hypnotists. Okay. Gotcha. We can trace hypnosis back, Jay, to somewhere in between the years 980 and 1037. Wow. Right. So I'm going to try to pronounce this name right. I'm going to spell it for you guys too, though. But Avicenna, so it's A-V-I-C-E-N-N-A. And this was a Persian psychologist and physician, and he wrote about hypnosis. Okay. So he didn't call it hypnosis. Um, This was written in Arabic at the time, and it was written al-wam al-amil. So how 
it was written. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but this comes from way back then. And it, it of course could have been around sooner, but this is the first recorded evidence of hypnosis being used as a healing tool. And that's pretty freaking old, Jay. Yeah, that is. Hypnosis makes people better respond to suggestion. Now, this is the sort of weird fork in the road of this performance hypnotism where you make people quack like a duck. Right, exactly. Again, it's somewhere in the people like using it to help people heal and using suggestion to help people heal. We went like, we took like a hard, a hard right or a hard left. I don't even know. I'm going to call it a right. We took a hard right (laughs) and we started making it this, but what's really going on when you're in this sort of trance state of hypnosis is that your subconscious and your conscious mind are communicating much like they would be if you were in a REM sleep state. Oh, okay. You can access things that are, are quote unquote hidden from your conscious mind when you are in a state of hypnosis. So that's why you would use a, you know, police would use a hypnotherapist to make someone remember part of a crime or something like that. Exactly. Because what your subconscious knows so much more and has picked up so much more than your conscious mind. And it can only give so much to it. And you can only recall so much, but in a state of hypnosis, it can do so much more. And if you haven't listened to our dream episode, go back and listen to that because we really go into how the the conscious mind and subconscious mind communicate when you're sleeping. Right. So this is very similar, except that you are very, very lucid. Gotcha. Okay. Now I want to do it now that you're saying that. And I I knew. See, I didn't even get that far. What would it be like 13 minutes in and you're like, sold, let's do it. Um, (laughs) It took me 13 minutes to convince her, you guys. That's it. (laughs) Really an amazing way to use this and to use the fact that the suggestibility is, is high here is that you can really go in and discover the root cause of trauma or of behaviors. You can see past life stuff and you could even use it to like alter a behavior, like to stop smoking. For example, people often use hypnosis because when you're in that state where your conscious mind and your subconscious are communicating and you're very alert These suggestions, if done right and done by a qualified practitioner, can have a really big influence over you. I feel like that was another one of the trends in the 90s was, you know, going on stage, quacking like a duck, that whole thing. But then also you would see all these ads for someone who could help help you quit smoking. That was the spell. And it was weird because it felt like that was the only thing that our society would approve of using hypnotherapy for. Like... We can't use it to heal you or like heal trauma or, you know, break these patterns that you have, but we'll totally be on board for you not smoking with it. Yes, this is 100% right. And I looked into this because we we have very similar brains. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing and I looked into this and what I think based on what I looked at is that the rise of NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, became very popular in the 90s. And one of the big things that people used NLP for was to stop smoking, for example. Because if you guys guys are too young, you don't remember, smoking was a big problem in the 90s. It was disgusting, yeah. 
yeah, like you could smoke in a restaurant. restaurant on an yeah. airplane. Yes. Anywhere. It was terrible. Yeah. It, was, it was bad. So I think that the the popularity of NLP at the time made it something that people were using to address behaviors. It was also quite popular for weight loss. I don't know if you remember that too. So things that like societally were almost like trendy to work on. And I don't mean to undercut the plight of trying to quit smoking or anything, but do you know what I'm trying to say? Like those types of things, um, it became popular for that. I think those are also measurable. So if you're skeptical Mm -hmm. of it and someone actually does stop smoking, you can say, okay, well this worked, but critics that that critics are going to be able to judge or not believe you working on something that's more abstract. Exactly right. This sort of like work on like the suggestibility and shifting stuff, it's it's still very popular to this day. I think it was a lot more popular in the 90s. I feel like it might be starting to make a bit of a comeback. I see a lot more um, people getting certified in hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, you would, you can deal with um, any sort of phobia with hypnosis, any real fear, anxiety, sleep issues, depression, stress, grief, um, emotional blocks. It's really big in like kind of to generalize anything that you need to bring balance to in your life or healing to in your life, you're going to do the thing that I really love and like did for a career for a long time, which is really look at the root cause and like the story you have about it, why you sort of have this fear or this issue and like work on healing that when you're in the state of hypnosis, it's just another way to do that. And I think I know you love that too. So I think bringing back that the use of that more for that is a awesome. I'm here for that. I am too. I love that. Because so many issues I could, I could rant about this. I will only rant for a small amount of time. (laughs) (laughs) So many of our issues in our life are caused because of these like limits or blocks that we have in our, in our subconscious that we aren't fully aware of that are these little phrases or stories or sentences. And they're the reason why it's so hard to change something. And, you know, just to stand on my soapbox for a minute, it drives me crazy that we live in a culture that's just like, Oh, well just heal, just be better. Or say, you know, say this phrase, and manifest it to your life or, you know, align with the vibration of what you want. And it totally skips over the fact that it's not that easy because you literally have something inside of you telling you that it is dangerous, unsafe. Like you will not be okay if you do that thing. And it skips addressing that. And it drives me bonkers. Well, and you might be able to shortcut that for a while you know, with the positive affirmation or, you know, just having good vibes only, you know, whatever, you might be able to, to change things for a while, but that programming is in you. And you've probably been using that programming for 20, 30, 40 years. So it's going to take some work to dig that up and to rewrite it. Yeah. If you have these patterns in your life, where you keep dealing with the same issue or the same problem and you just can't seem to let it go and you're shaming yourself for the fact that you can't change it or right. stop that pattern from happening. I just I just want you to hear me in the middle randomly of a hypnosis podcast episode tell you 
that it's it's not because you're lazy or incapable. It's because you haven't found the right tool to deal with the actual root issue that you have going on because your ego is working too hard to protect you from the thing because it thinks it's unsafe. Exactly. Exactly. And finding that moment, figuring that out, the work of is obviously takes more time and more energy and you have to figure, you have to probably find someone to help you do it. It's easier than just saying an affirmation three times when you wake up, but it's going to like literally change your world <laughs> when you realize why you can't do something. And rather than beating up on yourself, it's going to be a very powerful moment when you're like, oh, that's why I do that. Now I get it. And then you can move on. Exactly right. Exactly right. When I when I used to do one-on-one sessions, that, that was the moment that I was always trying to walk people to was that like, oh, this is why right. I, I have this, this like tendency or this behavior or I feel this way or I can't get past this or I can't manifest this. That's that's everything. And if you're skipping that, you're going to just do that thing where you take, you know, two steps forward and three steps back all the time. And it's very frustrating. And I I thought a lot about this, Jay, and I'd like, I'd love you to weigh in too. But one of the things that, you know, that I love state, like bring state, messing with people's state, dealing with my own state. I like that quite a bit. Right. I would in sessions always be trying to get people into a very hyper-focused state about their issue. And when I was reading more about hypnosis, I was like, I certainly wasn't doing hypnosis, but I, I see the similarity in like using certain language and different techniques to help people get into a state where they could see their issue. Like as I guided them, like it, it wasn't that different from sort of the process of, um, hypnosis, which I'm going to take you through in a few minutes. And it also, when we go through it, the process of hypnosis, isn't that different, I think, than giving someone energy work. No, I agree. I think that all of those things are all sort of different paths that you can take to get to the same result. And they all, they all include working with, like you said, state, but where someone's intention is, and where you're putting your focus on your own body and your own energy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I also just want to say that hypnosis is not for everybody. So mm-hmm. it, you, first off, use your intuition. If you're hearing about hypnosis and you listen to this episode and you're like, I think that I want to try that. That sounds exciting. Right. Go try it. If you're listening and it, you're like, sounds cool, but I don't think I want to do it. Also trust that. <laughs> right every modality is not for everyone. So, and it might also not be great for you now, like of speaking of those blocks and narratives that we have written for ourselves, maybe for you and your ego, it doesn't feel safe right now mm-hmm. to let someone guide you through that vulnerable of an experience. Right. But Absolutely. so you have to find some other modality to help you through, but in six months, a year, six years, you may have healed enough so that hypnosis can be very beneficial for you. Excellent point. The other thing that I will say, I would, I would question whether hypnosis was right for you was if you had any kind of mental health issues where you hallucinated or didn't feel like you could safely um, navigate different States and having anything altered. I think don't do hypnosis 
or consult a doctor before you do anything like that. And there's no shame in it. It's just, you have to be kept safe. And I really feel like it's important to not shy away from saying these things because it just increases the stigma of mental health issues. So if that's, if that's tricky for you, I would say hypnosis might not be the best. Right. I agree with that. The other thing that hypnosis is not going to be the best for is if you tend to be the kind of person who stays more in the state of the victim, or maybe you just haven't fully come out of that yet. Now, this isn't victim blaming. This is this is different um, states of moving through issues, right? So the victim, when you're in that state, you are blaming all the outside things and you want something else to fix you. You yeah. don't want to fix you. Right. And so then you would travel to like what we call the warrior state, which is when you are ready to fight and you're ready to, to take on the issue and to to find its root and to see it and to make changes with it. So you want to make sure you're more in, in sort of like the warrior state than the victim state before you do something as intense as looking at the real root cause of some of your issues. Right. And I think we should say, and maybe we should talk more on another episode about victim and warrior, but um, if someone's telling you that they're never a victim, they're lying to you. It's kind of like victim 101. <laughs> right. Like everyone, like everyone feels like a victim to yeah. something. It it depends on how long you stay there. Like it's normal to feel like upset about something, to want to like, you know, throw your fists in the air and blame everyone around you. I mean, that's all a natural process of healing and processing emotions. You just can't live there. That's where it becomes problematic, is where everyone is always the bad guy. You are never at fault forever and ever. Amen. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. It's perfectly healthy to move through the state of victim while you are going through something. Absolutely. And I don't mean victim like like victim shaming somebody who's gone through something. I'm not referring to it that way. I didn't create these two terms. I'm just restating them. I think I would have picked a different one for the state, honestly. But that that is normal and healthy to move through that. There's no shame there. Some people get stuck there and most likely because of some sort of block due to trauma and all this kind of stuff. Don't get me started. I could tell you why and bore you probably. But when you're someone who stays there, we all know those people, right? They're, they have the same issues and they keep coming back and keep complaining about the same issues and they're never actually doing anything to change them. There's nothing wrong with those people. They're just trapped in that state of being a victim and they haven't moved through it or they haven't been able to move through it. There's no shame in that. It's just that those people, I don't think hypnosis would do much for. I don't really think many healing things would do much for them, to be honest. Right, because they have to move out of that state before anything can effectively heal them. Exactly right. Right. Yeah. So that's my PSA about that. I would like to come back and tell you a little bit about my experience with hypnosis and then sort of go through some, some of the stages of it and some other cool stuff. But I think we should take a quick break here. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. We'll be right back after this short break. So it's season three of the podcast, and there were a few things that are a little bit different. Yep. We're all growing. We're all changing. So I cut my hair. Looks incredible. Thank you. Jamie, you now have curly hair. I'm doing the curly girl method, and I love it. It looks incredible. But something else has changed 
that we we really need to talk about. It, I'm I'm really surprised it's not on the news, to be honest. It's sort of earth shattering for any of our listeners. This might come as a shock to you. <laughs> Tell them what it is, Jay. Well, you all know from our previous ads for Restoration Coffee that I was a loyal drinker of a large hot Rachel with oat milk latte, right? That was my go-to. But listen, times are changing. We're all up-leveling here. We're all moving into 5D. We have different hairstyles. And it turns out (laughs) that my now preferred drink of choice is a large iced page latte. So however you're evolving in your life and moving on, you need great coffee. So go ahead to Restoration Coffee if you're local. If not, go order some beans and it'll help in the process. Don't you think, Jay? Yep. Love it. Love Resto. Visit restoration-coffee.com. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. So this week, I know it happens every week, but again, (laughs) our obsessed segment again involves TikTok (laughs) and and other forms of social media. Yes. Yes. So, So we've just been like really excited because we're noting that you guys are excited. I can't even express how much joy what Jamie's about to say brings Jamie and I legitimately. It really does. And so we've been, we've noticed this uptick in people reaching out to us about the podcast yes. and, and like through all different platforms of social media, some people are making their own TikToks about the IGG talking about the IGG and saying how everyone needs to go listen to it. What? And these are like people we don't know. It's not like, it's not just my mom anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Strangers, they're on TikTok. We're getting DMs on Instagram. I'm getting like personal DMs on my like personal Facebook page. I know you're getting them too, Heather. And they're, like you said, they're from strangers. They're from people who live in other countries. Crazy. And they're saying like, hey, you know, we, we, first of all, we love the podcast. I listen every Monday or I heard one episode and now I listen to two a day trying to catch up. And people are, are suggesting episode topics that they want us to talk about. Someone messaged me and said that they want to know more about the pyramids. And then she said like sending love from across the pond. I'm like, ah, she's in England. Yes, we got people asking for numerology. We put all this stuff on our list. I found the TikTok, I was tagged in it, where somebody was just talking about how wonderful our podcast was. We don't know them. No, but thank um, you. When I say it made our week, it literally made our Like, I'm not exaggerating. This is what we talk about is, oh my God, we got somebody else saying something nice. Like, oh my God, did you see that feedback that somebody posted on Apple Podcasts? Like, it it's crazy. It seems like all of a sudden it's just taken off. And what I want to say is please keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I also think that there's a, there's a lesson, right? Like, you know, I love what the less, what's the lesson in this? What, what can I learn? (laughs) Um, 
And I feel myself, I feel my ego wanting to be like, Jamie, geez, play it cool, man. Like, right. Like, why are you making this whole thing about like yourself? Why couldn't you have done this obsessed segment about something else? Like you're bragging, calm down, Jamie. But I really, I, a too bad. I'm excited. I'm talking. <laughs> B thank you to everybody. This is what Heather and I have wanted to do for so long. Mm-hmm. Like to see it connecting with people. And like you said, people who don't know us, who don't feel like they have to support us. Mm-hmm. Incredible. It really, really is. I think that maybe we should do a whole episode on bragging and how we should do it. I'm just saying. Let's but real talk is bragging. That would be a good one. Let's let's write that down. But I also have to say, as far as the lessons go, a lot of the feedback that we get is people really liking two two parts of our or two elements to our podcast. Right. The first is that so many people have said, I listen from the beginning and I hear you and Jamie getting like more and more real in your own opinions, like not being so neutral, like really saying what you want. And right. to that I agree. I think it comes from being comfortable, but I also think the world, you can hear the world catching on fire. If, if you listen, yes. <laughs> you, yes. we started before the pandemic, like you can right. hear the world's way heavier on us. And I think that's part of it. So I, it's amazing to hear feedback of people who say that kind of stuff because Jamie and I talk a lot and think a lot about how we want to show up on this podcast for people. So that feedback is incredibly important to us. Yeah. It's a, it's affirming for the work that we're putting into how we want to help people and how we want to show up as ourselves as a way to help other people show up. Yes. And then the other thing people really seem to like, this makes me laugh every time, is that we sometimes say we don't know about something. <laughs> right. That it's so lacking in this spiritual holistic community to yeah. not admit when you don't know something or to be open to feedback or to say like, this is what I do know, or this is, this is as far as my expertise goes. And I'm not sure humble is the right word, but to just present it as this is a conversation and this is what we know. Right. That that the bar is so low that that feedback is like people appreciate that so much. That really speaks to me. The fact that that sticks out to so many people shows that as a society, we feel so pressured to have all the answers all the time and to be right all the time. There's such a small margin of error allowed to people mm. that when people hear us saying like, I'm not really sure about that. And like, mm, I don't know. What do you guys think? It's like freeing to people. Yeah. And, and to all the people who don't speak out about something or talk about or bring something up because they don't think they know enough. I hope that you hear us do it right. and it makes you, realize like, Oh, it's okay. It's it's okay to say, this is what I know. And this is what I don't. And to listen, right. that is okay. And it's also okay to be an incredibly opinionated woman. It is. It is yeah. okay. Yeah. So I well, love that's what we're obsessed about. And I, I thank everyone for their feedback. Keep sending it in. If you've been wanting to say something and, and feeling like, well, why would I reach out to them? What they don't care what I think we do care what you think, even if it's not great, even if you're like, Hey, I don't like I don't like that you said this. Right. You can say that. Just don't be a jerk about it. But I mean, we, yeah. we accept all forms of. 
Yes, exactly. And we read every single one, like the feedback forms you guys send um, from the website, the stuff you send on social media, the things you tag us in, we read them all. And not only do we read them, but then we send them to each other. And then we talk excitedly about the thing that you sent. And every single topic suggestion that you send, we have a little jam board for, like we put it. So we do actually listen and we do actually love it. We're not bothered by it. In fact, we stop our day to celebrate it. So we do. So thank you everybody. Thank you. That's what we do it for. So thanks guys. So Jay, I thought I would share a little bit about the hypnosis that I have experienced to just give like a, a brief, like personal account. Okay. I have one I can share too. A small, a small situation. Love it. Let's, let's talk about that. And then I'd like to go through like the steps to um, what a hypnotist does so that you can okay. understand that too. So I have had, I've had a bunch of different hypnosis sessions, but the two kind of different styles that I've had that I think stand out the most to me are one, a past life regression done in hypnosis and two, just at a hypnosis session for healing in what we specifically worked on was just whatever I needed to up level. Okay. I know that sounds a little trippy, but I, at the time was having that feeling. And I think a lot of people can relate to it where you know that like you're being pulled towards something bigger and like everything's a little wonky energetically and you're like, what is happening? Right. That was happening. And so I went and was like, what uh, this is going on. Just, I just need to see something that I'm, I'm having trouble seeing. Gotcha. Okay. So in both of these sessions, I was completely aware of everything going on. I was never under some sort of quote unquote spell And I didn't wake up like, where have I been? Was I quacking like a duck for 20 minutes? Like that never happened. Gotcha. The past life regression, I was just guided to see a past life that could help me understand stuff going on in my own life currently. Okay. I didn't go in and say like, I want to see this life or I want to see a life where this happened to me. I happened to go in and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just happened to go in going... I just want to see one that will serve me, like something that will help me now, I would like to see. Perfect. And so the experience of the past life regression that I knew, I was I was fully aware, I knew that I was watching something. It was sort of like, like watching a movie, but you're like in first person, very similar to like a lucid dream. But I was also very aware that I was like in a room laying on a bed. <laughs> you I, was know just, what I'm saying? I was just going to be like, so wait, set the scene for me. Like you're, you're laying down, your eyes are closed mm-hmm. and someone's talking and walking you through it. Yep. It's a, it's, it's a dark room. It's very comfortable. The lights were on when I first got in and chatted for a few minutes. Lights are off. Um, like a, basically the same kind of bed that you would use for like Reiki or something was what I was laying on. I had blankets on me. I was very comfortable. There was like soft music playing. I, there was either incense or essential oils. And like, it was very similar to any sort of healing work you would get. Right. And then were you telling, you were saying what you were seeing? Yes, but I was just really answering. So she, the person who did this sort of took me into, took me through the steps of hypnosis, which I'll go over. But all of a sudden, what was happening was that much like it's described that it's hyper-focused, my whole 100% attention was on this sort of 
first person movie that I was now in. So similar to if you were watching a really good movie at home, like on the couch and like you sort of forget anything else exists, but you're completely aware that you're in your living room on your couch. You're just like really enthralled in the movie. That's what it felt like to me. And I was just sort of like in a place and because I'm clairvoyant, I was seeing right. So that might be different depending on what Claire you have. We also have a whole episode on that if you want to figure that out. Right. So she would say things like, I think the first thing I did was look down at my feet. And she said, tell me what your shoes look like or what's on your feet. That was like the first clue as to like where I was and to help me sort of like get my bearings. Okay. And so she asks this and like, you're, for me anyways, my brain went like, I'm not going to know what, what. That's what my brain just did about yeah. experience. <laughs> yeah. And then I heard myself answering. Oh, fun. but I was very aware, but it, it was almost like my subconscious skipped over my conscious mind worrying about saying the right answer, but I could have stopped talking if I wanted to. In fact, a couple of times it became hard for me to talk. And the, the practitioner was like, you don't have to say things out loud if you don't want. Um, you can just see the answer if you need to. But she said, talking will help me be able to go over this with you at the end. So for a few, I remember having some times where I just couldn't get words out because I was experiencing so much. Mm-hmm. But she was very good at like noticing I was struggling with that. So I don't think that that's probably uncommon. I was going to say, it sounds like she was pretty perceptive. Yeah. So it was, it was really like the questions she was asking me would be something that I would see and then I could answer. Or if I couldn't speak, I would like, Oh, that's the answer. Like she would say, turn to right. Is there anybody there? What are, how, what pace are you walking at? And I remember one time being like, Oh, I'm running. And she's like from something or towards something. And I was like, from like, but like, I wouldn't have known any of that unless she did. She asked me, does that make sense? I love that. Yes. I love it. I was never super afraid. She did bring me to see my death in that life, but it wasn't, it wasn't as emotional as you might think. Although that could just be me. Like maybe if for someone else, it would be afterwards thinking about it felt emotional. But when I was watching it, it was sort of just like fascinating, if that makes sense. Right. And I think that, uh, I think that that's probably where a lot of the healing lies is in probably in the death, right? Yes, exactly. In that situations. Exactly. In that particular life, I died of starvation. And one of the issues I was dealing with at the time was trying to have a better relationship with food. Well, there you go. Yeah. Right, right. It's perfect. I understood that. And I understood, I won't walk you through all of the elements. It was really fascinating, but like there was lots of, of things like that. So um, it was really, really interesting. I remember the practitioner when she would take me to a different scene would always say, is this something that you feel like you could observe? You know what I mean? And I always said, yes, but I thought like, what a smart thing that somebody could go. No, I don't want to, that's yeah. not me to see. Yeah. That's a way to keep the session very safe and, and to always maintain consent. Exactly. The second session that I had was, again, just to, I don't know if anyone's ever gone through the spiritual awakenings. You go through a bunch. It's always kind of sold as like one. And it's always sold as this like really romanticized process. And it is freaking hell. It's a monster fire. Yeah. I just had to stop myself from using the F word, but it would have been more appropriate for what it's really like. It's rough. It's really rough. And so I was in that and I went for a hypnosis session and she 
this hypnosis session felt a lot more scripted. Like she had certain scripts that she read and it was, it was really great that I think that there was a lot of like keywords and tones and the way she was using her voice that were, were helping and helpful. And again, she would ask questions and bring me to see stuff. There was in that one, there was a period of time where she had me not speak. And then she had me, she said, recount to me, it's still under hypnosis, recount to me the most important elements of what you saw. Um, so that was helpful. Um, and that one was really cool. And to this day, I still think of the imagery of that one. So very, very cool. Every time I came out of hypnosis, I felt like I had just taken a nap. I thought that was worth saying. I have heard people say that they felt like really emotionally drained after, but like I said, in my experience with hypnosis, I wasn't actively feeling a lot of emotion. I felt more emotional afterwards when I was recounting it with the hypnotists. So I think that could be different for everyone. I felt like kind of refreshed, to be honest. I think that tracks for all energy healing. I think that that could be said for acupuncture, definitely for Reiki. I hear people that say, I was exhausted but I've never slept better in my life that night. Mm-hmm. Um, people say like, I was so, I was so energized. I, it took me hours to fall asleep. It, I think it just depends on what your body's doing after the session. Yeah. How you manage that energy. Right. I know for me, this is kind of slightly embarrassing. Maybe I shouldn't admit it, but like I get really sweaty afterwards, which is like, it's like, I know it's like a, literally my body releasing. Stuff. Yes. And I'm not a big crier in those sort of situations. I am a crier if there's like something on TV or something happened to someone else. But for my own stuff, for some reason, I don't really cry that much. So I think that I just sweat and I sometimes get kind of giggly. All just your body releasing. There's so many different ways. And that did happen both times afterwards. I felt like sweaty and giggly. Yeah. Coughing, burping, farting, diarrhea, giggling, laughing, crying. pee a lot. Yeah. Those are all release symptoms that your practitioner will see as successful processing. Yeah. And also one of the reasons that a lot of practitioners tell you to drink a lot of water to help flush out the rest of the, of the stuff. Yep. Jay, tell us about your experience. So I've, like I said, I've never been to an actual practitioner. um, Although now I feel like I want to, Um, (laughs) but I did do, I, I bought like a, guided hypnosis session. Um, but obviously because it's, it's recorded and the person doesn't know you, it was basically just like that you, they walked you through this scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, And I noticed that I did do that thing where like in other episodes, we've talked about how my brain just sort of like shuts off and like sends me to like sleepyville because it doesn't like the, the middle States. Um, sends you is the wrong word. I think the correct word would be like launches or hurls you into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's like what you said before about that. We all have these narratives and these blocks and part of my stuff, my own trauma, my own healing is that those middle states aren't safe for me. My ego does not think that they're safe. And so Mm -hmm. I, we, Heather and I are currently working on making those (laughs) states safer for me. Um, but so I would like just very quickly, and I don't even know if fall asleep was the right word because I I remember they said at the beginning, you know, if you, if you do fall asleep or if you don't remember, that's okay. The hypnosis is still happening. Yep. And I would definitely sort of come to further along and these like time gaps would happen. 
that I didn't realize were happening. You know what I mean? Where I thought I was listening. I thought I was paying attention, Mm -hmm. but then I wasn't. So it was just sort of like trippy middle, middleville where I was. Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. But I did notice that it helped me. I did notice after listening, I would do it a couple times a week and listen before I went to sleep. And I did notice that things were improving in my life. Absolutely. Because even if you're asleep, your subconscious is still completely actively hearing everything. Right. Exactly. And that that's why back in the nineties, it was popular to, while you were sleeping, have like a hypnosis tape playing because it does continue to work. It's so very nineties to like be completely unaware, like change (laughs) yourself, but do it while you sleep. So you don't have to feel anything. Right. So there's no actual effort involved. And you're not actually healing because you're not feeling anything, but like, no, you're not processing it. Yeah. Drink a diet Coke and listen to this <laughs> while you sleep. So nineties. So nineties. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I also think, especially in the case that you're talking about where you're, you're moving through and you're sort of jumping to sleep. I think that might happen to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Another thing is like, pay attention to if there's any patterns as to when that happens. So is there a certain point in the meditation that you always miss or it's the last thing you remember? Is it a, or hypnosis, either one, right? right? Is there a certain point in anything that even if there are different ones that you're trying where you suddenly lose a lot of consciousness? Right. For me, there's this really interesting thing. I, I'm very drawn to listening to drum beats. Yes. Especially like African drum beats or Native American drum beats. I, there's something so mother effing magical to that vibration for me that I, I love it. So I went to a, it was a hip, a hypnos hypnostic meditation. I don't, that feels a little bit like redundant to me, but that's what it was called. Right. Um, and it was, it was like a native American drum circle that happened while you did this. Wow. And it was done by a native American person, a native American man, Still maybe a little sketchy of whether I should have been there or not, but I was there. Right. But he, he was leading it. It was his practice. He was profiting. Nobody right. else. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Well, I noticed that as soon as he started beating the drum in this very certain way, I would lose consciousness. And I went to it multiple times trying to remember because I, I was so drawn to it and my body just felt like it needed to be there. That I, and I even bought, he had like a CD, this is how long ago it was, um, (laughs) that I bought to listen to and would lose consciousness at every time at the same point of the drumming. And so I asked him about it and he was like, oh, maybe that drumming brings you into a different state because that's the best place for you to heal. Yes. It isn't always that you're making a mistake or doing it wrong. It's just that maybe there's something bigger and if your conscious mind's too awake, you can't get what you need. Exactly. And your body knows what it needs. Mm -hmm. And don't you also think that this is further evidence of what we talk about all the time, about how I'm always complaining that there has to be like a father of hypnosis, right? So maybe that would be Frank Mesmer would be the father of hypnosis, something like that. Mm -hmm. But that you know, probably in their own ways, ancient tribes and, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, since at least drumming, sounds like indigenous tribes have been using hypnosis forever. 
Exactly. When I looked it up, same as everything that we always talk about. <laughs> right. Every culture had its version of it. It was obviously called a different thing and it was done slightly differently. But if all human beings who aren't communicating with each other are all using these mediums and right. the fact that now they're looked at as like, quote unquote, silly, right. that, that to me is such a red flag. Yes. And, and it proves that our bodies just instinctively know what they need. Exactly. All right. Let me tell you the five steps to hypnotizing somebody. Okay. I have very much simplified these because I'm not trying to make it so people who are licensed to do this don't get money and you just like do it. This is not what I'm doing here. I'm just giving you an idea of what a practitioner would do for you in general to get you into the state. Absolutely. Okay. Step one is to build a rapport. Yes. Yes. Important. Yeah, same as all of these steps, Jamie, really make me think of what you do when you do a Reiki session. So I would love it if you like par- like drew parallels because I think a lot of people might feel safer trying Reiki than they would trying hypnosis or maybe the other way. And I, the similarities are really strong. Yeah, and I don't think that they teach you that in most courses that you're going to learn about, n- not just hypnosis, but anything. You know, they teach you how to do the actual practice, the actual energy healing, but those moments of meeting someone and connecting with them before a session, I think really can shift the way a session goes. Exactly right. So building a rapport involves both energy and language, right? Yeah. Like it, It's very clear if you're talking to someone who doesn't actually care. Like, you know, when you see a, <laughs> like a certain kind of doctor and they're like, what's going on? And they're, they're like, you can tell that they really don't care about the answer. Yeah. Oh, they're like tip tapping on their computer, not looking at you. Yeah, you know, you pick that up. Yeah. So, so you want to, you will see a really good practitioner do all kinds of things to both energetically use body language and all of that to help you feel more open to that person, because it is important to have a connection to the person healing you. Well, and you're about to do something where you're probably going to feel very vulnerable. Yeah. So that those questions, asking them what it is you want to accomplish from this, what are you working on? How are you feeling? What are we looking to do? Anything I should look out for any fears that you're having that should all happen in the, it doesn't need to take a long time. The better the practitioner, the quicker they can get that done. And the answers, I think, Um, but there should be like a good five to 10 minutes on that. I think. Yeah. I book, if I'm doing a Reiki session, I book an extra 15 minutes. If it's their if it's my first session with them. Yes. So I can, I can meet them. I can talk to them. I can let them get used to the room, the energy of the room. So they can feel comfortable. I'm not just going to be like, Hey, it's Jamie. Nice to meet you. Hop on the bed. <laughs> oh, thank you. you can sit in the chair. You can get to know me and then you can feel comfortable. And then when you're ready, you can do that. Exactly. Right. Okay. So step number two is hypnotic induction induction and the deepener. So what this is, is they start to bring you into a hypnotic state, but it's kind of like the prep work. So same as like, if you were giving Reiki J, you wouldn't just be like, bam, Reiki, as soon as they get on the table, you would sort of work on getting them into a state where they would be ready to receive Reiki. So I am, I'm just picturing you like helping somebody relax, right? So very similar to what someone someone would do, right? So they would be like, 
relax your body, start at the top of your head, work down to your toes, just do that to get into that state. They would start to help you go into the level of focus that you're going to need to be in to be hypnotized. Right. Exactly. In my experience, this feels fantastic. Yes. It feels like you're sort of in this warm little cocoon, I think. It's really relaxing. It's really comfortable. It's like, why don't I have somebody tell me to do this all the time? Because like you, you release the tension from like your shoulders and your jaw and you're like, oh my God, I'm a new person. (laughs) Like I didn't realize that my jaw was clenched to the point of grinding my teeth. Yeah. You take like big deep breaths all the way into your belly and you're like, why do I breathe so shallow all the time? This is crazy. So it's, it's a really nice element. And again, with most energy work, there's some form of that before you, you really get the Reiki. Sometimes there's like a pendulum to see what you need. There's usually like a sort of a gentle walking into. Yep. The next state for hypnosis is hypnotic imagery. So this is like them directing you to picture this or see this or look at this. Um, sometimes here, you like most likely in the, the stage before you were probably counted down, at least in my experience, to get into a state. And then you're here, you've just hit that. And it's like, what do you see? And, and you're like looking around and you're, you're being given images. Gotcha. When you're doing energy work, do you ever direct imagery or do you... Do you ever say like, you know, you might see something like, how do you handle that? I just let clients know before we begin that depending on their clairs, depending on what their body's doing, they may see certain things or they may just see certain colors and to just observe that. And, and then if they want to talk about it at the end, we, we can talk about it. And then sometimes if there's a particular issue, I will do the Reiki and then I'll, I'll walk them through a guided meditation where mm-hmm. they things at the end. Awesome. Yeah. So again, very, very similar, right? right. Like you're, you're setting them up to let them know that this is sort of the process that you're right. going to go through. Yeah. Right. So this is kind of also where whatever form you're doing, you're going to be walked through now, right? right. The imagery and now you're going to be walked through in both of my hypnosis sessions that I mentioned both times it was very focused on imagery. So I I think that if clairvoyance is tough for you, this might be harder. But I also know that the practitioners I had asked me questions to know which Claire was my main one. Oh, I like that. Um, Yeah, they didn't use that language. Had they, I would have easily answered. But I would imagine most people don't walk around going like, oh yeah, I got clairvoyancy, no problem. State of hypnosis, clairvoyancy, claircognizance are probably going to be the two things. So if you just want to direct your language towards those, that would be great. (laughs) Unless you listen to our podcast, then maybe you do know that. Then you can just say it, exactly. And I think all practitioners would love you to say that, by the way. That would be very helpful. Yeah, so... All of this was like very much directed towards imagery for me when I was having it done. Like, what do you see? Look over here. What does it look like? Then there was also the, what does it feel like? You know, and all of the, can you hear anything? Like all of that stuff was asked of me. And the, most of my answers had to do with what I was seeing. So again, the practitioner is going to look at what you're responding to. Right, right. So you do that. And then there's this element called future state. Okay. So whatever you're there for, whether you're doing a past life regression or just some sort of healing or to quit smoking or whatever your, 
you're focusing on in your session. You're going to be brought to a future state where you have already accomplished that thing. Oh, okay. That's a really important part of hypnosis. I will add when you use NLP, again, that's neuro linguistic programming. If you guys want, we can do an episode on that sometime. Right. In my, that's something that I know how to do. So in my experience with that, there's also another element to NLP, which is a form of hypnosis, where you also bring somebody to a future state where they have not made the changes they're working on. Oh, right. Then you have them back up and then go to a future state where they have. So I don't know how many different forms of hypnosis use that. So some future states might be the look what happens if you don't, and some might be just look what happens if you do. But that's an important part of changing because your ego gets very focused on one lane and one fear. And when you show it what will happen, if you don't change, it will really rewire that for you. Wow. I like that. Also, if you see what will happen, if you do change and that's appealing to you and looks safe, that will rewire as well. It's like the ghost of Christmas future. Yes. And in fact, Tony Robbins, who waiting for this Tony Robbins moment. Okay. I have loved Tony Robbins for a very long time. I have, as of recent events, felt very disappointed and let down on his choices and things that he has chosen to do. So I have pulled away from that sort of stuff, but there is some value in what I have learned from him. Right. one of the things he does is something he calls the Dickens exercise because of the feeling of like the ghost of Christmas future, past and present. And that's a part of NLP. Gotcha. A lot of what Tony Robbins does is NLP. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tony, Tony Robbins side note. (laughs) Yeah. Clean it up, Tony, and we'll come back around to it. Give us a call and we'll give you some suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the last state is embedding suggestions. So this is where your hypnostic practitioner, your hypnotist is going to give you suggestions on changing, saying things sort of like, what does it feel like when you, now that you don't smoke, like, oh, you're walking around and you don't have this. And what does it look like? And you feel wonderful. Every hypnosis session I've had has, has been like right before they wake you up quote unquote, wake you up is like, you're wake up, you feel refreshed and ready. Like, like, do you know what I mean? That's that. Right. Now, if you're going to want like a show that they still happen by the way, but like really happened a lot in the nineties. Yeah. They're just focusing on this state. They're just like pushing you quickly through the other States to get here. And this is where they're making you quack like a duck. Yeah. But possibly more effective would be to help you remove a fear or phobia or help you better manifest. Just saying. And improve your life. Right. Just saying it could be better. Yeah. (laughs) And I also think when I've had energy work, like Reiki, for example, at the end, like sort of coming out of it, there's this, this sort of element of like feeling healed. Like, how do you feel? How do your chakras feel? Like, and sort of this talking part that really embeds the suggestions in a similar way. Yeah. I mean, in my sessions, I have them slowly come back to the room and then we go over the chakras, what came up, what came up for me during the session, but then also what came up for them during the session. And then we process that together. Exactly. So perfect. And then once you wake up, there is the typically the part where you talk to your hypnotist, but that isn't necessarily something all of them do. Right. Okay. So 
Um, I thought I would also tell you some of the signs that hypnotists look for to know if you're in the correct state or not to start your hypnosis. Oh, what are they? Tearing in your eyes. Okay. This happens to me every single time I get energy work, by the way. Right. My eyes just like run. Even sometimes when I do yoga, it happens. Yeah. That's, that's process. That's releasing. Yeah. REM like eye movements, even though you're not asleep, but your eyes are doing that like weird back and forth thing. Yep. Changes in the skin color of your face. Interesting. I thought so too. Changes in your breathing rhythm. Okay. Slight jerks of your hand, feet, and legs. Huh. And lip licking. All right. You lost me there, but I was going to say, I, I see all of those in Reiki sessions. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, not, not, they're not super pronounced, but I've noticed those, all of those, except the lip link licking in, in clients. Interesting. I'm guessing that the lip licking is some sort of self soother. I know lip licking in body language is a soother. So like you would for that, for someone to self soothe by doing that. So I'm guessing it's a similar thing with this, but I thought that was really interesting. So if you're like on the table and you're like, why are my legs flailing and my eyes tearing? because you're doing a good job. (laughs) Exactly. Well done. Yeah. I also read a lot of weird techniques that people use to hypnotize people. Very questionable. Okay. There's somebody named Milton Erickson, who, when I read about him, he was called one of the fathers of hypnosis. See? Your favorite thing. Yep. I don't care for this man's anything. (laughs) Now, maybe there are hypnosis hypnotists out there who are going to be like, no, actually, he made some amazing contributions. Good. Send us the feedback. I would like to hear about it if you know more. But like what I read about this man, I was like, this is sketch. Really? So I'll tell you one of the techniques that he would use. And you tell me how you feel about it. All right. Um, he calls it the handshake technique. And what you do is you start shaking someone's hand. So you know how when you shake someone's hand, there's sort of like this weird, just kind of understood amount of times you shake and like you go like up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, right. And it's just sort of like, this is how we do it. No one really thinks about it, but it's just like a pattern. Yeah. Okay. So what he would do would do like one or two shakes and then grab your wrist and jerk you forward. Excuse me, sir. (laughs) No, you're not doing that to me. And what would happen would be because you were just naturally instinctively doing the like, and I'm sure this is cultural guys. I'm sure in other cultures, like if, if handshaking isn't what you do when you greet each other, this wouldn't work. Right. Right. I'm not trying to be one of those. Like, I think everybody does things like America people, but (laughs) in this instance, okay, because it's, an autopilot thing and you're literally expecting it, the change and the jerking of that motion puts your brain in this state where it's, it's, it's like so startled that you are way more influenced by suggestion, much like you are in like a deep hypnostic state. So what's he doing after that? He's like shaking your hand, jerking you forward and then being like, yeah, back like a duck. Like then you will now, you will now enter a state of blah, 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 blah. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I didn't read anything about him doing this to people without consent, but it very, I didn't hear him say, like, I'm about to shake your hand and hypnotize you. Like, there was no 
there was nothing of that explained either. So weird. I don't know. I do want to try doing it to you. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's what would not work with me. My ego would be like, absolutely not danger. High alert, like drop kick this dude. Maybe we should try it on our kids. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You will fall asleep easily tonight. Boom. Exactly. <laughs> we'll report back. But I thought that was weird. But there are lots of weird techniques like that. There are lots of things with like like pushing on someone on the forehead, a certain spot on shoulders. I read all kinds of things. And I didn't want to turn this episode into like how to be creepy with hypnotism. So I just wanted to give you one of them. But that's right. weird for me. And I think that a lot of those probably work like biologically. Typically, mm-hmm. pro- that makes sense to me. But I think to do it and not be creepy, you'd have to really create a very specific boundaried environment where the person knew what was going on. Like they didn't know what was coming. They didn't know like what was going to happen, but you'd have to make sure someone was like really fully on board. Yes. And you know what kind of vibes it really gives me is culty vibes. Yes, exactly. Right. So if you haven't listened to our cult episodes, you definitely should. Here's the thing. Cults always do this thing where they, they use mind control in some form, right? And hypnosis really is, I would say, a very mild form of mind control. But this will, like, throw someone off balance. It really gives me Keith Raniere vibes of, like, making people go for walks with him in the middle of the night, just, like, whenever he's, like, different things where you're sort of, like, not choosing and you're, like, off balance around him. Like, it really gives me that kind of vibe. Right. Agreed. Okay. The last thing that I want to just bring up is an incident that happened in 2019 at James Madison University. Okay. There was a hypnotist named John Ways and he he did a, a basically a 90s thing at student student orientation with these kids with a, a hypnotist show. Right. You guys may or may not have heard about this on the news. It was on the news cycle for a while, but what happened was it went really wrong. Uh-oh. And two two major things happened. First, a bunch of the students couldn't wake up and they had to call EMTs to assist. Like they had to hit call, call in medical assistance to wake the people up from their trance hypnosis states. What? And second, a lot of the girls were complaining that a lot of what he was doing with the people on stage was very sexually inappropriate. No. Yeah. And this tracks because I went back and I, my YouTube search history is so wacky from researching this podcast. I am sure I am flagged for all kinds of things, but I I looked up like hypnotists being creepy in shows. Yep. And there are so many uncomfortable, cringy things where the hypnotist would be like, you're madly in love with me. You want me and like all the stuff to women and like the audience is just laughing and I'm watching it like gross. Cringe. Yeah. it's bad for the the field, right? Like think of all the hypnotists that are doing such amazing work for people. Mm-hmm. And then you get people doing shitty stuff like this. Exactly. So students at um, James Madison University were like, it was, it was cringy. It was bad. And the university put out the statement, like, we'll never hire this guy again. It was very weird. And I'm thinking like, maybe you should just, just not do shows like this in general. Like, why are we bringing them back? So I think hypnosis is is great, but I just wanted to say, I 
I think there can be things that go wrong like this when you're using it in this weird way to entertain people instead of help them. So that would be my main criticism of hypnosis. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's a criticism of hypnosis. I think it's a criticism of practitioners. Agreed. Agreed. You know what I mean? Like, don't be shitty. If you're like, like the the people that are going to take advantage of people, especially women on stage with hypnosis are probably doing that without hypnosis too. Exactly. Right. If that's your, if that's what you think would be funny. Right. Questionable. Also, can we get t-shirts that say, don't be shitty because that should be our new tagline. (laughs) I really like that. (laughs) Yes, we can. But yeah, that's uncomfortable to me. Now you are like me and I know, I know Jamie, you are and that you are sort of, in a room, you, you sort of do this natural thing where you feel like the protector of everyone and everyone's energy. Yes. Watching any sort of show, like a hypnosis show is unbearable for me. Oh, stomach ache the whole time. Can't. Nope. I feel the need to protect the people under hypnosis. I feel worried for the person doing it, that they're not going to get the right response. It's, it's so uncomfortable for me for so many reasons. It's hard for me not to march up on stage and like check on someone. Like it's a very difficult thing. So if you also deal with that weird anxiety burden, I'm going to tell you don't go to a show, but also if people like us are uncomfortable at something, everyone else should take notice that it's probably not something that should be happening. Right. Exactly. We'll be the barometer. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. I think you should try hypnosis with a licensed practitioner with a good reputation who you talk to and feel comfortable with. I think that you should absolutely do that. Do I think you should go be hypnotized for a show for entertainment? No, I do not. Maybe someone out there has had this like amazingly awesome experience with it, but tell us, but like, I'm, I find that cringy. Yeah, I just think it's completely missing the entire point of hypnosis. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's just over. making it like showy and weird and yeah, over it. Yeah. Okay. So go try it, guys. Report back. I found a lot of cool ones on YouTube. Again, just make sure that it's something posted by someone who's actually a certified hypnotist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Do that. Go see one. Go find somebody um, and and try it out and report back to us what you think. Yeah, I want to hear. Can I ask everyone listening to do us a favor? Can you please go wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform you listen to the IGG on, can you go on for us, please? And like, whatever it's asking you to do, like, like, follow, download, rate, write a review. We would love for you to do that for us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.